I'm really happy to speak with Gavin Knox Grant this morning. Gavin is actually from South Africa, our first international speaker, which is absolutely fantastic um, for the channel. Uh, Gavin heads up an agency in South Africa called Carbon Media, and one of his specialities is corporate identity, something I pretty much shied away from in, in my career because I've had a fear of not getting a, a return on my investment or I won't like it, uh, and perhaps the initial cost of doing so. Um, I think Gavin having a little pre-chat with him is going to completely put my fears to, to bed and make me make this um, investment when we have some, some money to do so. But Gavin, welcome to the channel. Thank you. Thanks. So thanks very much. Oh no, it's absolutely um, fascinating and uh, looking forward to, to chatting with you. Can we yeah, just start? Because corporate identity encompasses just so much. It's not just a logo. It's everything about your business from the packaging, the way you present yourself, the language right. you use, the colours, everything. Perhaps you could just give a little synopsis of how you see corporate identity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, one of the easiest analogies to use to explain this, and it's something that everyone can understand, is you've got to think about the, the entire world of branding and design and identity and all of that. Can The metaphor of a human, of a person, can be used. The logo would be your face. Um, the, then the identity becomes, becomes a number of things. It becomes... Can you recognize, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the company or the person in this case, if you can't see their face? So what about the mannerisms? What about what they're wearing? Um, you know, the, these kinds of things become interesting. So absolutely, uh, typography, um, the font choice is, is, is a critical thing. And I mean, that is one of the biggest challenges with people that sort of are new in design is, is um, working out the correct typefaces and sticking to them. Color, there are many brands that own a specific color. You know, Vodafone, um, it's red and white and that's it. They can't deviate from that. So if you start seeing a red comma, even if it isn't the logo itself, but it's a red comma that looks similar against white, it's going to link that up because they've spent so much money building that up. So imagery, you know, I mean, as a photographer, you know, you would know this, the, the style of photography, there, there are brands that only use black and white photography, the treatment. I mean, if I think of BMW as a good example of a visual language of this, not so much these days, but certainly, you know, in the early 2000s, you could take the logo away from a print ad and get us, you, you, it feels like BMW because of the way the car was shot, the slightly desaturated, um, the open space. Uh, Porsche is another great example of that. So yeah, that's, that's certainly, it needs to be able to be recognized um, easily with or without the logo, essentially. I mean, it's obviously, it's harder to do, but if you take the logo away and swap it out, it should not exactly work. If you put another logo with your brand and it works, your visual identity isn't really tight enough. Yeah. Then of course the logo represents the, the, entire, the entire feeling. Yeah, yeah. that's how I'd, I'd put it. No, excellent. 
And also, Gavin, I think the, the colour plays a, a vital role as well. I, I, I may be wrong, but I remember that Google slightly changed its shade of, of, of blue in a test and they got something like 4% more interactions. Um, wow. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, it may be saying it's in my med that it's pub talk. I don't know. After a few pints, I don't know. <laughs> um, I should research that. Um, but I'm sure they did an experiment in just how it, because I, I was speaking with a, I'm sure it was actually someone I was working with on, on a website, and they were talking about the importance of the, the colour. Um, when you find that time, info, please send that to me. That's fascinating. I, it does feel like it's gone slightly lighter over, over the years, but that's, um, that's really interesting. Yeah, certainly interesting to see. And when you when you go to a client who's had no corporate identity as such, they've done it all in-house or they've done it, they started up, they've done it on, on Canva. They've got all their assets for, for free. What's the actual process that you take to onboard them and to actually create uh, an identity for them? Okay, so, and this is really where one, one begins to alleviate your fears. And it's where... Um, you know, many designers without proper training and experience have sort of painted a, a bad reputation in the industry. All the creative, particularly, you know, identity work has to line up with the business strategy first. Because otherwise, you know, if you look at the Orange Tele, this is a great example, Orange Telecom. You know, when I do... Um, talks and lectures on this kind of thing. I love to use this as an example because I say to people, I put up the orange telecom logo on a, on a screen. And it's, as we know, it's, a, it's an orange square with bold Helvetica at the bottom with lowercase o, just says orange. And I say to people, what did this cost? And I mean, we're talking in the regions of millions of pounds, millions. And then I say, um, how long did it take? And they go, you know, firstly, they would say, well, it cost £100 to make, you know, that sort of thing. How long did it take? Oh, I mean, I could do it in, in less than my, my kid could do it in a minute on PowerPoint. So then becomes the key question. How do you know it's got to be an orange square with bold Helvetica at the bottom with a lowercase o? Because that's where the investment sits. And that is where you've really got to do the work. So you first have to sit down with the company and, and do full workshops. Um, you know, we, we generally start with a discovery three hour workshop and get a full landscape, the industry, uh, the competitors, how do they differentiate? How are they realistically competing? Um, if they're starting out naturally, how do they plan on doing that? And then you've got to evaluate that because so much of the time, People come for a branding or marketing or design solution to a perceived problem. And the problem is sometimes a business problem, not a brand or design problem. So it's, it's for, from my perspective, it, as a responsible brand communication designer, it's really important to kick back, but challenge the business assumptions and ensure that there is realistic um, you know, substantial reasons and research. And naturally that's easier with a business that's got traction and it can prove that this is our positioning. This is our 
our service or product offering and it differentiates like this. Right. Now, if you think of the, the entire reason one has a brand, and this is again something people don't think about, if you have no competition, you do not need a brand as long as it's a product that people need. So if you think about the Soviet Union, you know, in, in, the, in, in the 80s, you go in and buy, a, let's say, a bar of soap. It's government issue soap, and it says soap. There's no, you know, it's not like here's Gavin's soap with essence of elderflower, and there's David's soap that, you know, and so you have to create a differentiator of things that are often pretty the same. I mean, it, cars are a wonderful example of this. How do you, how do you really realistically tell the intrinsic value between you know, Mercedes, BMW, Audi, Volvo. Take the logos, take everything away. Does everyone, does, can anyone really say what the cost of the bolts are, what the real difference is in quality? They're the same thing, essentially. So you've got to go and say, well, Volvo is now taking ownership of safety. Um, BMW has got to take ownership of sheer driving pleasure and excitement and so on. You've got to know that stuff first. Because then, um, you know, let's say we're now going to develop uh, an identity for Audi as an example. Um, you know, you then say, well, that identity has, it came from the four founders, which is fine. Um, and value, when an identity is created, this essentially isn't value in it. The value has to be built. You've got to put meaning into the mark. So, there's a way that you can then say, well, the four rings together, what do we use with the visual language to communicate technology, which is essentially what they, what they own? And how do you, um, you know, we speak a lot about video and Audi uses video extensively um, to communicate a technology. So these are the kinds of things. And when it comes to a brand identity, people get very, obsessed about trying to be literal and trying to say everything an entire story in a logo you know they're a plumber so they want a drop of water where there's got to be a tap in the logo it has nothing to do with it the function of the logo is not to say what you do at all it's to create a feeling of why i should trust you it's it's to it's an entry point into the brand it's they are obviously practical rules like simplicity can it reduce well but it's got to fit into the category so if you do a photography identity if i look at it immediately and if it looks like um you're an investment banker it, it doesn't feel right it's got to feel like it's in the category and then is it memorable and does it give me the feeling that ties up with the business strategy and then the brand strategy. Um, that's that's how you've got to approach this. And then you, uh, you know, this 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 could go on. You then go to competitors and you say, well, what have they done? You look at the entire industry and you analyze what colors are being used in the category, what what typography is being used. Is it sans serif? Is it serif? Is it how do we then stay in category but still communicate our differentiator? And it really comes down to you know you've got to use your gut feeling as the barometer here to and then and that's that's essentially how it gets developed and that really requires experience 
to, to get that right, um, which is why it costs so much and takes so long with big brand agencies. Research, research. You know, because opinions, this is another thing, and it plugs into whether you're happy or not. This is one of the most important things to, I guess, accept is that we aren't the target market. If you aren't the target market, as a designer, my opinion isn't relevant. As the client, their opinion isn't relevant. The target market's opinion is relevant. It's not about whether we like it or not. It's about whether it's going to work. Having said that, if we don't like it, based on the argument and the criteria that have been built to evaluate the success of the logo, then it needs to be looked at because instinctively there's probably something wrong. But a lot of the time it's just ego. I mean, I had a client once, he, he loved KTM, that was his brand and he wanted his logo to look like KTM. I didn't take on the job because, you know, that's just, you're not, yeah. So that's, 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 that's sort of, if that answers the question. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting actually about not doing what you will relate to you. And I think uh, a prime example of that would be advertising on television to in between daytime shows and evening dramas. Completely different demographic watching maybe, completely different adverts and the style of adverts and the investment made into the adverts, completely different. That, that exemplifies your point, you know, in, entirely. Um, yeah. When, when you come to, as a growing business, if someone was come, coming to your agency, would they be able to work in a, a modular basis by that, you know, having the logo done initially, then perhaps looking at going for the, the fonts, then building a, a brand identity, so branding pack, etc. Can it work in that way or does it all have to be done as one big package? You know, you you can't really do that um, because you've got a logo now what you, you can't you can't use it because the logo goes onto something and there are other elements that are then required i mean even if you're using a business card not that many people use them anymore but you know traditionally what font are you going to use what you've got to there's got to be a design are you going to bring in color um, what, I mean, it gets, it can get really, uh, um, advanced. I mean, what paper are you going to use? It's so it's not a responsible approach because as you're going, if things change, any sort of equity that you may have built up, if you've got to adjust that it breaks, it, it, it affects your consistency. And the only way to build a brand is through consent. So only way to build trust is through consistency. Yeah. Um, so you no, you, you can't really do that. I mean, having said that, there are ways to do things that don't cost a fortune. Um, it again, just depends on the category. And this is another really important thing. There are industries that don't require expensive logos. Um, again, if I use if I use a plumbing, if those sorts of industries as an example, where does the perception management matter the most it matters more in how you retain business it matters more in whether in, in in the service and whether they arrive and whether they you you get a 
you know, is the van kind of clean? Do they create a perception of the logo has just got to be clean and it's got to, you know, communicate. I mean, they're, they're obviously brands that then go and they can create a bit of fun and they can, but it's almost more in that instance about the name that's memorable. I mean, when do you come across a plumber's identity, uh, maybe in a van that you see driving past? Most of the time it's referrals. So why would you invest millions in an identity? It makes no sense. However, if you're embroidering a logo on Roger Federer's T-shirt, you know that you've got it. That's that's you're going to have a few zeros there. You know, yeah. so it really does. It really does depend. That's what comes through as well, you know, because it does come down to that whole identity into yeah, how you present yourself as a brand, doesn't it? In terms of getting staff uniforms, if they're going to be, you know, customer facing, you know, a particular example that, that you know, I'm aware of. And I think it's the, the, the Dorchester, they probably all do it now. But I remember the first time, probably 15 years ago, the Dorchester, all their front facing staff were dressed in Armani or something like that. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It, you yeah. know, brilliant, no? what a great investment in success what you're entering into isn't it i mean what um, you're talking about now is very much what we were talking about with 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 the entire visual identity system so you could almost have plumbers that the logo is helvetica and it's red and then all their vans are red all the uniforms are red all their tools are red like that that's amazing they're the red guys like you don't even need to remember the name it's just you'll see them they're red and you can even call red plumbing. I mean, that is, that's a huge differentiator. Um, so that stuff's important. And again, as you say, it completely depends on the industry and the category, there are different rules. And yeah. you've got to be, in order to get the return on the investment, that's the stuff you've really got to know and find out. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know that as a, an agency, you've worked with some, some global companies. Just putting those aside for one moment, when you've worked with some some smaller companies who perhaps our, our listeners might 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 be directors of, can you give um, any sort of real life examples of how your branding has actually really helped their business go forward and achieve their goals? Absolutely. I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is a an IT company that fairly small, maybe a staff complement of thirty people, and it's in in uh, the security industry, you know, in South Africa, um, you know, private security, armed response sort of companies is a huge business. And they, they write the software that goes to the control centers that manages the fleet and manages armed guards. And it's the real time sort of stuff. Now, as a business, you know, they, they started out with a very successful product that worked well. And then of course, they wanted to grow. So instead of designing a, a 10 bedroom house, they started with a one bedroom house and then rooms just got built on. And what happens then is when you come into the house, it doesn't make sense that there's a bedroom here and the kitchen behind the bathroom and you know, that, that sort of thing. So the product offering was quite confusing, but that leads into brand confusion and design confusion. So first of all, we had to sort out the product offering. We really had to make sense of groups of products and what needs they're addressing. Then it becomes about, do I understand 
what this thing does completely and how it differentiates from the competitors and from the rest of the company and how do we then design that so it still fits into the company it still fits into the product but their their users i mean they they literally phoned them and said you've made it so much easier for me to choose that the 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 sales facilitation process um you know moving from sort of interest to desire to purchase facilitation becomes so much more streamlined because you get them to the point of wanting it um, sooner because they they're not going it does this i'm not sure which which one you know so much of so much of the time in medical aids and insurance are notorious for this and it's it's create an entire broker industry because who can choose those products you know they've got like 30 products for you to choose it's it's ridiculous yeah. and you end up with this um you end up you end up with this paradox of choice you know you stuck and and a paralysis of choice really so a lot of the time for 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 companies in that space um in this instance the design of the products having solved a a business confusion issue radically affected the return because it made it so much easier to choose um there are other cases and this is maybe slightly a bit more different for even smaller businesses i had a, a company that was a breakaway there were guys from a larger company chain um you know sort of it, it would be the equivalent of maybe a costa but there were man three managers maybe of some of the stores that got together and they wanted to start their own coffee shop here but they they had a budget of like a thousand pounds and i said to them you know what i mean do you get a ferro rush in the yeah. in the uk Shopping. okay so yeah. i said to them you know guys just make sure that the place is clean make sure your tables are clean with every cup of coffee give them a, a ferro rush and run that run that for a while because you doing they wanted to do flyers and they wanted to do and it's just a complete waste there are there are better ways and it's it's about starting with perception and and is the best way in the beginning to suddenly do a complete overhaul you got to kind of get traction first um and it's again depends depends on the category but they had chosen their name and and they they just wanted to it wasn't even under a density job it was literally a launch kind of a communication job and start getting regulars because with a thing like a coffee shop it then becomes social it becomes a fill it becomes so rather just get people there and start taking pictures and credit card what's going to get people there not flyers and windscreen of cars i can guarantee it we get a free ferro rush let's go you know and there's another yeah. coffee shop on the other side let's rather go here yeah no i completely agree i i was working for a client and i was based there actually and i did the photography for their social media which was just it was flat lays it was just immensely boring and we could have gone out to the suppliers and you know done interviews it'd been you know, so much better um but yeah and i always wondered why they actually employ the social media person from an outside sort of agency um and actually being far better for them so they're a food wholesaler so artisan food look your, your business to business 
with every order that goes out, send them a free pack of your own brand sausages. Of course. You're gonna it's gonna be a far better return on your investment than you know. Absolutely. Ah, oh, so they've got what they're selling to retailers, get them in the retailers, new products, have this. Um but, you know, it falls on deaf yeah. ears. <laughs> and one of the biggest challenges again, just I mean, it's just just on that with social media, one of the biggest challenges we face at the moment in this industry is that everyone and their daughter thinks they're a social media expert. Oh, don't and, get started. <laughs> and because as a business owner, we you don't necessarily have a know how to evaluate the quality of a supplier that you know they're going to say oh well we'll post on these platforms and once a day and it, it's it's so just hit and miss you know and that's and that's sort of fine if you if you're using it just to say well we're on social media but social media can be such a powerful thing if you just sit back first and you say actually with our with our business we should only be on LinkedIn or on Instagram. So we need someone that understands Instagram and rather find out things first. Is your market on Instagram? When are they on Instagram? What do they want to see on Instagram? What, what pain, <coughs> excuse me, pain point are you communicating that you solve on Instagram? And instead of someone that just says, don't worry, we'll do it all for you. It's a, it's a massive issue. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You see it all the time. And especially in perhaps more established firms who have, don't really understand They know I can put a picture on Instagram or do a tweet, but actually don't understand how to do it. The mechanics of it and the technical aspects of when they should be doing it, what they should be doing. And they invariably employ someone you know, straight out of college or in their sort of early to mid twenties, he's got a, a little bit of knowledge because it's perhaps a native thing to them. But actually, they don't really know. They just think the pretty picture is going to make all the difference and business right. kind of flooding in. But it, that's right. far from the case. It's very, very hard to succeed yeah. in social media. And it's because, and it's 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 again, like all of these things with branding and design, it it's often a grudge purchase. So people will come and say, well, I need a logo, not I want a logo. Hmm. They, they, because they don't understand necessarily how the return of investment works, because how do you really accurately measure that? And what you can't measure, it's hard to manage. So with social media, it's the same thing. They, they say, well, we need social. We've got to just have stuff out there because everyone's on social media. That's re not really a good enough reason to go there. Why do you really want to go there? Is it awareness? Are you are you trying to, you know, that's where it's, it's got to start. And because of that, it literally just becomes a price war. Who can I get? And it's the, the, at the time, who can I get that's going to post uh, however many times we want? And who's going to charge the least? Cool. My, my neighbor's daughter does it. Let's give her some work. And she can do it in between her exams. <laughs> Because there's no value, there's there's no understanding of measurable investment. So when a company, you know, it comes and charges, you know, whatever whatever it may be, ten thousand pounds a month, or it it sounds crazy because they don't understand, especially because it it can take six months to get traction. Yeah. So now it's like it's hard, and of course it's hard. And I also do think. You know, small businesses, especially in this climate, 
Um, never mind, you know, the pandemic, which has made it even harder because it's it's forced all businesses to go online. The competition is insane. And so you've got to be incredibly careful with where you spend money. Um, and, and it becomes harder. You know, this is why consultants, you know, spending, buying even just half an hour of advice can save you a fortune. Yeah. Um, even if you have to wait six months and get the revenue to then action it. Because with the, with the wrong advice, you're not just losing money, you, you can damage your brand um, by just making, making mistakes and, and building the wrong perception, you know? You might better answer a question that has been in my mind for a few months now. Last year, I had a, a client, who, a major client, they, they manufacture, uh, you know, crisps. And we're doing uh, some Christmas shots actually for them. And I got all the brand guidelines, you know, pages of stuff and um, inspirational mood boards, etc. But what I did not understand is absolutely adamant in no pictures whatsoever were to show any crisps. We could have a packet that was open, but nothing of the actual product. Still didn't understand why that would be. Can you offer any insight? That's that's really interesting. Look, I mean, there, off the top of my head, I mean, that's really difficult to answer. It's without bewildering. It's bewildering, right? Without understanding the business and the brand and what they're trying to achieve, it's quite hard to understand. They're, they're, off the top of my head, there could be there could be two reasons. Number one, maybe they didn't like what the chips looked like. <laughs> now, Chris, I mean, they look the same as every other. Uh, it's a premium, okay. it's a premium brand, okay. but it looks you know they look right. the same. <laughs> the other thing would be maybe they wanted to make the packaging the hero, mm -hmm. and because they all look the same, then why do you need to see them? So put the focus. Uh, but it does seem strange to me, it, it, you know, food marketing, and again, which is why you would know why food photography is so incredibly important and specific is I actually want to taste it when I see it. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. so yeah, I can't, I, I'd have to, I'd have to, and, it and would be really interesting. In the pub and we've got the whole scene, the fireplace and we've got some beer and some wine, everything else and other food and it's packaging on the table um, as well. There's a party, let's have some some crisps. So yeah, I thought that, was, but also the other thing was, it's, this is a big brand owned by a global company, you know, billion, multi-billion pound company. Right. And they said, oh, David, this is in lockdown. We well, need these pictures. We want um, some on, uh, you know, on a big kitchen island, in a nice kitchen. We want some in a, by a lovely roaring fire. I said, where exactly is your, your where, where am I going to magic these up from? Where do you think they suddenly appear from? And you've got, I mean, proper brand guidelines, you know. It's like, if you haven't thought about where you're actually going to do this, shoot, you need a location house. You've got a creative team, one of your creatives needs to be there or you need a stylist there and i said look you're right. a big grown-up company what is this you know i think they're a bit taken aback right but, but, but i love but they've got all the branding and then they don't yeah they've invested in the branding so they've got to do that and probably great branding then they don't really um they expect magic but it's wonderful that you kick back you know it's wonderful that you challenged that you know and a lot of people don't have the confidence to do that and that's and that's part of the problem so, yeah, and a lot of it, I've worked, 
as you say, I mean, I've, I've, there've been some big multinationals and some of the choices I've just thought, I, I, it makes no, it just makes no sense. I think it's to justify their own existence a lot of the time in the role that they've got. Right. There's no reason for it at all. And, and, and sometimes I've found that they will put juniors on something that isn't really that important. So they say, well, this team needs experience. So let's just put these people on it and, and, and see what happens. Another massive problem, um, and I'm not saying this necessarily applied in this case, but a huge problem with those companies is there's no risk because they, at some point along the line, the decision has to be justified to the board, money-wise. So the person making those decisions is literally just worried about their job, not really about the success or the return on investment. And, and that can cause huge problems sometimes because it's literally, you're just wasting money so much of the time. Yeah. You know, and they, and they could have sold this amazing, this concept of how, and the way that they sold the concept, no, the market's going to love this and the bag is going to sell. And, and because of the way they sold it, somebody goes, okay, well, I've got a meeting now, just let's go with it and see what happens. Uh, yeah, there's strange things. There's strange things that can sometimes happen at that level. Yeah. So Gavin, just sort of wrapping up, what advice could you give a, a small business owner on how to sort of proceed on their branding if they haven't quite got the budget yet to go to an agency such as yourself? Right. You know, David, I think the, the very first thing is to, is to educate oneself. Um, find out about this world instead of just accepting things that clever salespeople will tell you. Um, you'll, you, you know, go and have a research, uh, look at what logos cost and you'll see some multinational logos cost a million pounds instead of you know laughing and thinking it's ridiculous find out why um there's that great quote from jeff bezos who says that a brand is the most important investment a company can make why would that be so instead of seeing it as a, a grudge purchase look at it as an investment now i say that because in my experience a lot of small business owners are nervous because it's money is tight. You've obviously, you've obviously be careful. You've got to be careful about where you invest the money. And because you can't measure the return, uh, it, it, it's, it's very scary. Um, so the, the trick is that if you know your stuff, you can evaluate um, an advisor. It's not to say you need to go and get a qualification in branding and design. It just means that you need to be a little bit more informed so that when you get when you get a company and you're evaluating a company, ask them questions about why they made that decision and what has that done. And with a little bit of research, a little bit of education, it'll either you'll either know whether they're on the level or not. And then once you've got people that you can trust, rather just get advice first before you start going down the road. Because once you start creating any kind of identity, you don't want to have to redo that. Building a brand takes time. And over time, the funds add up. So make the decisions. It's exactly the same as building a house. You know, find out if you can build on this rocky slope first and 
and choose an architect that knows how to do that and can recommend the best way of doing that instead of spending a million pounds and suddenly you find out that actually this thing that we intended can't happen and now you've you know i mean whether that's the best example or not it illustrates the you know the point yeah. that that really would be my best my my advice well that's brilliant gavin thank you very very much it's been really really informative um talking to you i know the sort of branding and corporate identity is something that i've certainly got to address um perhaps once you've got some income coming in and some some investment and yeah. I'm sure I'll be knocking on your, your, your door for some, some help on that. So thank you very Always much. Available. Always available. Dan. And, and thank you. Thank you. This was, this was wonderful. I love talking about this stuff. And I love, I love just trying to improve businesses through, through uh, let's say, responsible brand investment. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Gavin. Have a great day. Bye, David. Bye.